Today's reading is John 21, 15 to 19. It can be found on page 1002 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. The word of the Lord. Pray with me. God of rest, you are love. We affirm that you are real and continue to pursue us no matter how far we try to run. We turn to you now and accept your embrace. Forgive us for taking so long to remember. We believe. Forgive our unbelief. Amen. Here are the five words no child wants to hear. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. This, this cuts. This cuts deeply. Maybe you remember the exact moment when you first heard those words. You might remember feeling the, the angst and the worry and the dread that gravitates around that, that phrase. I didn't hear, first hear that phrase from my, from my own parents because I never really did anything that warranted that, of course. But I did hear it from a friend of mine. And when he told me what his parents said, I remember feeling that angst, that worry, and that own disappointment. Um, disappointment is, is everywhere around us. And maybe you're, you're a parent and maybe you've said that exact phrase, or maybe you're a parent and your kids aren't quite old enough to really feel all of those feelings, so you're waiting to say that exact <laughs> phrase. I'm not a parent, and I'm not necessarily waiting to say that exact phrase, but I know that when I say it to my cat, he ignores me. But he often ignores me, so it doesn't really, doesn't really count at all. Um, but, but, but maybe you can, um, maybe you, you remember that moment or that, that feeling of disappointment. And those feelings are, are mixed feelings. And you can still feel the echoes of that sadness when you heard that, when you've been that kind of disappointment, disappointed. You might be feeling those complex emotions and those feelings. And the reality is this, that there are moments when we, when we fail, when we break, when we are disappointed, when we lose the respect of others, or maybe when we've been disappointed with other people. And perhaps you have experienced that and you haven't quite healed from that type of, of moment. And maybe it's just a larger type of disappointment, not necessarily from a specific person or maybe from an institution or a political party or whatever it is, maybe you feel that disillusionment 
and that disappointment, then you haven't sought healing from that. So if you have those feelings, if you have those complex emotions, and if they are arising right now, we pray that you seek healing and that you find clarity and resolution. And this isn't meant to be some type of guilt trip or manipulation to make you feel a certain way, but the truth is that disappointment is just as real as potential, as being pregnant with possibility and promise. And this passage is about that moment right after those five words. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. When all those, when all those feelings of inability and stagnation slowly leak out of a balloon that was once filled with hope and promise. This passage is about friends. It is about forgiveness. It is about love. And there's three points that arise from this passage. Peter's disappointment, our reaction, and God's development. So first, Peter's disappointment. Now, I have to set the scene um, because context is everything. Jesus is dead, but he's also resurrected. And some have seen him, and some have only heard rumors about him. But despite what some have seen and what some have, have heard, the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, go back to doing what they were most comfortable with. They go back to fishing. They do the thing that they were created to do. They fish. And then seeing them in the water fishing, Jesus calls them to the shore and prepares to have a meal with them. And so they eat. Jesus is dead. Jesus has resurrected. And so they eat. He steps back into their lives and has a meal with them. And this is a big deal, both in a, a biblical sense, but also in, in a, a literary sense. Whenever you have a meal with someone, you have to look out. Something is happening. And if Jesus is having a meal with something, you have to look out um, even more because something even bigger is happening. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because, and the reason why this affects us in all of our stories is because it comes from the, the very first big meal, even the one that's the one right before this. And so much of our Western literature has echoes and allusions to this big meal, this communion. And so this meal that Jesus had with his disciples a few days ago, he's having a similar type of meal with his friends, with his disciples. And, if you, um, and this has nuances of that communion, of that body, of that blood, of that remembrance. Eating is a big deal. And you, you might need to think about your favorite movie or your favorite story or your favorite novel. And if you have that idea, that novel, that story, think of what, where is there a moment in that story when they're eating? What is happening? What are they talking about? How are they eating? What are they doing together? And it's that, that moment, that time where they're eating, it is that conversation that we are putting our focus on today. And it's right this moment, this interaction that Peter has with, with Jesus that we're talking about. This moment of disappointment. This moment of, of right after those five words. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Up until this moment, Peter has done all of the things that he's sworn he would never do. He's betrayed his sense of self, his sense of honor. He betrayed his, his mentor, his person, and his master. There's so much potential that Peter has had. And throughout the Gospels, he constantly moves back and forth between doing the right thing and, and not doing the right thing, between saying the right thing and not saying the right thing. Um, at one point, Peter gives the, the right answer and says who Jesus is. 
And then almost immediately after, Jesus said, Peter does something wrong, as he often does, and says, whoa, get behind me, Satan. And when Jesus is, is, erected, is arrested um, and wanting to do the right thing, he cuts off a man's earlobe, and Jesus has to heal the man. And then he says, no, you are living life wrong. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And the moment that we see right after this is when, is when Jesus gets arrested. And people ask Peter, aren't you one of his friends? And Peter says, no, I don't know this man. I can imagine the heartbreak and the feeling that, Jesus, that, that Peter has following Jesus' death when he disavowed his friend, his person, his master, his teacher. He's disappointed not only with, with, him, with himself, but with the world. And maybe you can identify with Peter, that no matter how hard you try, you always seem to do the wrong thing, and you're disappointed with yourself. Or maybe you're disappointed with those closest to you, and you, so you stop telling them about life. And so your conversations turn from, from the, the deep, intricate things of life, and they, you have weather talk, or sports talk, or beer talk, or whatever it is, anything to, to avoid talking about the deep intricacies of your life. Maybe disappointment has just broken you too much. Perhaps you're still thinking about that exact moment when you have been disappointed by someone else. So, our reaction. Jesus eats a meal. They break bread together. What we expect in, in this passage, this interaction, after Peter disavows Jesus, is not what happens. We expect a few things. We expect Peter to be chastised by his friends and by his, by his teacher. We expect, and I told you so, we expect punishment, maybe retribution, something that fits the crime. We might even expect the conversation to be, you said you didn't know me when I needed you at the, the, most, the, the worst moment of my life. I don't need you get away from me. But that doesn't happen. Peter did the thing that he swore he'd never do. And we expect the teacher to punish him like some kind of bad kung fu movie. Instead, Jesus has a meal with his friends. And instead of talking about what Peter has to do to make up for that disappointment, they talk about something completely different. They talk about love. And this bumps up directly against our natural instinct. And it forces us to confront the real Jesus. Peter does something to disappoint himself, his friends, his master, and his teacher. And the thing that happens is not retribution, not here's a list of things that you have to do, the things that you have to say, the places that you have to go to do it. Instead, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? This forces us to confront the real Jesus. And this simple question reveals the depth and the movement of the gospel. Do you love me? And Jesus' response is absolutely brilliant to all of Peter's, Peter's yeses. Do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Then take care of my people. Do you love me? Jesus, I'm starting to get a little offended now. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus resolves the disappointment that Peter feels and invites him to live a life that he couldn't possibly imagine. He calls him to live life differently.
Okay. There, I believe there are two types of people in the world. Those who like The Truman Show and those who do not like The Truman Show. And maybe there's a third, people that don't know what The Truman Show is. But eventually when they see it, hopefully after today, they'll fall in one of those two camps. Those who like The Truman Show and those who don't like it. And I always wanted to know, following the end of the movie, after he realized that his whole life is a sham and someone has been lying to him the whole whole time and he walks out of um, the big dome in, in utter disappointment and some expectation of hope, I always wanted to know not how he lives after Lee, what, what he says, but what kind of story he tells his kids. Because he has a choice, not at that moment to leave the dome, but he has a choice in 20 years, in 25 years, in 30 years, what kind of story he's going to tell his kids. And it's that story that matters. I always wonder, what, he, what is he going to focus on? Is he going to focus on that people lied to him for most of his life? that his parents weren't really his parents, that the people he loved were just actors, that he was just some part of one large artistic scheme? How will he tell his story? That he lived a life full of disappointment or that the rest of his life was completely different? That he left, out of, he left that disappointment. He was called into something else to find some kind of some kind of love, to find some kind of beauty, to find some kind of justice, some kind of spirituality. How is he going to tell his story? The gospel reveals the same choice, that despite the disappointment that you live in, despite the disappointment that you've been thrust, that has been thrust upon you, whatever disappointment that is, whether it's yourself, other people, institutions, whatever it is, The gospel reveals that you have a choice to allow your life to be bent and twisted in a different movement and direction. You don't have to live in that disappointment. And this leads us to the third point, God's development. And Jesus asks this heart-wrenching question and invites Peter back into a movement, back into some large scheme, back into this world that is going somewhere. He invites him back into the story of God's redemption. After all this love talk, he says at the very end, follow me. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Follow me. Hitch your disappointment to my story and you will go somewhere. This is that type of redeeming love, the redeeming love that pushes past the disappointment, that breaks that disappointment, that breaks those things that, that bind us and that hold us, holds us together. This is the love that redeems. And we respond well to this because this is the love that we want to find. This is the love that changes us. This is the love that makes our world better. Because in the end, that's what it's all about. And in the end, that's how the Bible ends. And the Bible ends as all good stories should, with a good battle and a great marriage. That there is something inside of this book that reveals this love that is so wide and so deep and so captivating that causes us to look past the disappointment and says, do you love me? Join my story. This is the kind of love that um, that causes Severus Snape to be redeemed because of his love for, Haley, for Lily Potter. This is the type of love that causes 
that causes Sam to encourage Frodo to throw the ring in the volcano. This is the type of love that reforms Darth Vader and gives him the strength to throw the emperor over the railing. (laughs) This is the love that redeems our disappointments. This is the love that redeems. And the gospel cuts straight through our disappointments in others and ourselves. It is filled with rest. It is filled with confidence. It is filled with love. There's always going to be tension and disappointment. Peter's story doesn't stop here. It continues. He continues to do the wrong thing. He continues to make the wrong choices. He continues to be chastised by um, and, and made guilty by, by other people. He, his story doesn't end here. He, is continue, he continue, continues to face disappointment. But his story is, is unique because although he finds that disappointment, although he does those wrong things, that love does not fade. And the point of this story is not how you can repair yourself, the list of things that you can do, the, the answers to the questions that are asked of you, um, the things that you can, you can bend your heart to. The point of the story is that there is a loving God that wants to bring you into the fold, that wants to bring you into the movement and the story of God's redemption. After all the disappointment that you face, there is this looming question. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Follow me. Pray with me. God of love, we recognize our brokenness and fractured world. So often we are dis- disappointed, not only by, with that broken world, but with our broken selves. We ask that you continue to work through us as you bring all these things back to rights. Forgive us. Love us. We believe, forgive our unbelief. Amen.